Good morning. I'm doing well, thanks. Whoever asked that, I didn't hear where it came from, but thank you. It was from behind? Is this Eminence? Oh, okay. I'm doing well, thank you. I hope you are too, Your Eminence. Welcome. We're glad to have you here praying with us in the altar today. Today's Church Music Sunday. It's a little bit different than what we uh, normally experience because we are unable at this time to sing in the same manner in which we were used to. Nonetheless, we still in our church are surrounded by music and we are thankful for all the members of our choir and our chanters who do so much work to pray with us, to lead us, to help lead us in prayer, to help lift our hearts, to help lift our minds into prayer. And we're grateful for all that they offer to us. So you have in your hands, hopefully, a copy of our uh, Church Music Sunday Bulletin. And I do want to, especially for those who are, uh, who are watching online, to just acknowledge a, no a number of these uh, people who help us in this ministry. We have our Psaltist, Dr. Sofia Grias Rybonsky, Elias Kerigeorge, the Masinos Smyrnis, Danny Niawananadra, Sister Martha and Tom Cheris. And there are others who help from time to time. And our choir, it's led by Dr. John Wardner. Teresa Stokes is the assistant director, and David Metropolis Rundus is the organist. In the youth choir, we have Eliana Saad, Alexander Chaloyanis, Elizabeth Kolias. Uh, Alexander Chaloyanis, she's no, no longer a member of the youth choir. She's in the full adult choir now. She's, she's in college. Elizabeth Kolias, Helen Kolias, Vasily Kikotsis, Zoe Patsellas, Alexis Rooks, Luke Savas, Marissa Savas, Demetrius Ephemia, and Eleftherios Scratas. And then we also have Robert Ashley, Shaza Betar, Tom Cheris, Stephanie Kotitsis, Kaya Konstantinidis, Angeliki Evangelinos, who's the music librarian, Diane Hall, who takes care of the robes, she's the robe custodian, Mike Capitan, Diana Karam, Perry Katsikas, Chris Carey, Dr. Karen Kolias, Professor Artemis Leandis, Joy Melzian, another music librarian, George Mikos, Eva McHale, Liz Metropolis, Brendan Monroe, Anastasia Papayurihiu, Anathina Papayurihiu, and Socrates Papayurihiu, Chris and Juliana Petzelas, Dino and Jim Prokas, Andrea Renza Perez, Dr. Sofia Romanes, Julius Gretas, Nicholas Stamos, Jeffrey Stokes, Samantha Stokes, Yanteos, Bill Vlasides, Nikki Wardner, who is also the assistant organist, Bill and Connie Ziegler. So, Normally I would have them up here and uh, let them be seen by all and give them some honor. We can't do it in the same way today, but thank you all very, very much for all that you have offered and continue to offer. And we, I assure you, cannot wait till we're back into our normal uh, routines and are able to hear our choir again with complimenting the chanters and so on. So thank you to all of our chanters. Thank you to all of our choir members. God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. What do politicians and mobsters have in common? A lot. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Who said a lot? That was good. A lot. What do politicians, mobsters, and bankers have in common? What do politicians, mobsters, bankers, and lawyers have in common? What do bankers, lawyers, 
mobsters, politicians, and general workers have in common? What do doctors, lawyers, workers of all kinds, mobsters, professional athletes, and politicians all have in common? One thing they all have in common is that they work by contract. We offer one thing, they in return give another. That's the way it works. It's the way of our world. There are contracts. I'm going to do this for you, and you do this for me. That is the way of the world. It's not necessarily bad. It just is. And it's the same across everything. It's the way the world has become because of the fall. There were never any contracts before the fall. Now, lawyers have to spend at least a whole semester learning about contracts. And the book I've seen my brothers read it is this thick. And I think that's just the beginning of what they have to learn. But because of the fall, we've entered in a different way of understanding one another. And these contracts are a part of our life. But they're not good. I understand we have them, and they're, let's call them at least, necessary evils in our day and age. We have to protect ourselves. I understand that. But ultimately, when we look at these things, they shouldn't be. And we see this in two important ways. We see this first as the law was given to Moses. Because the law was given to Moses and it was meant to keep the people in line. It was meant to give us an understanding of what sin is so we can try to avoid it as best as we can. But it offered nothing in return. It did not offer salvation. It did not offer health. It did not offer anything except for us to understand what sin was. Later on, the interpretation of the, law, of the law ran amok. And people started looking at these things as literal contracts. And they were teaching them as such. That we need to fulfill all these things that the law says. And if so, then we will lead a righteous life. Then we will be good in the eyes of God. But then Christ comes. And he turns everything on its head. Because now, especially with this gospel lesson, we learn something different. We learn to have obligations to others and expect nothing in return. All is supposed to be given to us, or given from us, sorry, given from us freely. And that is what pleases the Lord. He wants us to be 
without wanting or needing or expecting anything in return. What good is it to love those who love you? Anybody can do that. Even the sinners do that. But love your enemy. Rise above what our world is telling us to do. If you lend to somebody, expect nothing in return. Our world expects that we get a return and with an interest rate attached to it. But when you lend, give it. Don't expect anything in return. And great is your reward in heaven. Especially, I will say, when it comes to family members in this regard. Be very, very careful about that, please. And truly expect nothing in return. If you get something back, great. It's a bonus. But so many families are torn apart by these financial issues. So watch that one especially. But the Lord is teaching us something different. He's trying to get us back to where we were with an understanding that all needs to be given from us without expectation of anything in return. That's what He does for us. That's what His whole incarnation was about. Was to give completely of Himself regardless of what we were doing. Knowing that we're all sinners. Knowing that we're all going to make mistakes. Knowing that we're all going to fall and continue to fall from time to time. And yet He came and did it all without an obligation back. He just did it for our salvation. And He's asking us to rise to that level of the divine. He's asking us to be different than what the world expects. He's not asking us to be like mobsters. He's not asking us to be like politicians. He's not asking us to be like everybody else in the world who, for the way the world runs, we have to do this. I understand it. But from our spiritual perspective, from the perspective of our heart, from the perspective of our soul and where we want that to go, what He expects from us is to give with nothing in return. That is the greatest treasure that we can hold on to. And that is something, a treasure that can never be taken away and a treasure that can never get lost, a treasure that can never get stolen, a treasure that can never disintegrate. It's one that we get and can cherish and can have for all eternity, which is our life next to Christ. So, as we go forward in the next day or two, week, weeks, every once in a while think about this. How everything in which, what, that we do is a matter of sort of a contract, is a matter of an obligation to someone else. And how Christ is telling us today to rise above that and to become more like Him, more Christ-like, by offering and expecting nothing in return. Amen. That ever guarded by your 